Good morning. Uh, I know we have a ton of people traveling this weekend. I kind of quit counting after the fourth or fifth family told me they were traveling, but we are glad you're here. And I know many are tuning in online too, but uh, we're grateful. I just wanted to add before we dive into the message though, uh, Pastor Steve and Marty expressed thanks for all the volunteers, but uh, Steve has headed this up uh, for now a handful of years, a number of years. Uh, is a lot of extra behind-the-scenes stuff that happens weeks in advance. So, Steve, thank you for all your work with Sports Camp this week. Or not just this week, but over the last few months. Uh, as uh, Jim mentioned earlier, obviously, you know, it's Father's Day. And I'm always sensitive to the fact that Father's Day and Mother's Days are a very sometimes emotionally laden days. Uh, some of you had wonderful fathers who are no longer with us, but you cherish their memories. Uh, some of you still have fathers alive with you that you really appreciate and the impact they've had in your life, and you have times to be with them, and sometimes you're separated from them. But I also realize that sometimes there are uh, individuals who didn't have the best relationship with mom and dad. And so I, I know this can be always a challenging day sometimes, and I always, incur I always feel like it's nothing to apologize in the sense of taking the time to celebrate mothers and fathers because we know, especially on Father's Day, we celebrate the fact that God is our perfect Heavenly Father. Uh, and even when our earthly fathers do their best, they fall short. I'm witness to that in my own life. I, as much as I try, I know I have not been the perfect father, but I am grateful for the fact we have a perfect Heavenly Father. And, but we did want to just say... Um, to each of the men that are here with us today, we, we do have a gift for you, uh, for the fathers and the men as they leave. I uh, just encourage you. I believe it's sweet, something you will enjoy, uh, so you don't want to miss that. So, um, But yeah, this is Father's Day, and you know, I was thinking back to some of the things that I've learned from my dad over the years, and, I, and I'll share some of those specific things uh, in, in later in the message, but you know, one of the things I've realized over my life is that I, I'm grateful for the fact not only for my parents, but I have also had other people invest in my life. Who else can say that? There have been people, men and women, that have invested in you, that have poured into you. And, and we're going to be looking at a passage today from 2 Timothy, uh, mainly two, chapter 2, verse 2. Um, but we're looking at this idea of passing on a spiritual legacy. And when I think about that in my own life, I'm not only grateful for my parents, but I'm also grateful for um, some retired pastors in my life that really, or even before that, I've talked about Jack and Betty uh, that I always clarify. I have to pause between Jack and Betty Hill because I had one person tell me, they said, did you say Benny Hill? And I was like, no, Betty Hill. If you don't know who Benny Hill is, don't Google it. Um, but very different person. So... But, you know, I, I, Jack and Betty were my, my dad's uh, youth directors in the little Methodist church where he grew up. Uh, and they be, kind of became surrogate grandparents, spiritual grandparents to me and my two siblings. And I also had a couple great aunts that really poured into me um, in the little Methodist church where I first experienced church. Um, I grad every year. It was a small church. Literally, the Sunday school class I was in was the size of a broom closet. And it was just me, pastor's son, and my Aunt Bertha and for like three or four straight years. We all just graduated every year together because there was no one coming in or behind us, so we just all graduated together. But I look back and I see those great aunts that invested in me spiritually. Uh, but then when I was in the ministry, I had, I referred to as my bills. Bryce had his bill 
he would refer to uh, David, Bill, Eric, Bill's uh, father's um, uncle. Catch that? It would be, be David's uncle, Eric's great uncle, who was like a spiritual grandparent, a real surrogate grandparent to my kids. And Bryce would refer to him as my Bill. But I had my own Bills, and that was Bill Wood and Bill Underwood, both deceased now, but they were pastors that served in the Pittsburgh area that really just, they were, they were newly retired when I was just getting wet, my feet wet in ministry. And I remember calling them both and Bill Underwood was really good with administrative types. Well, they both were good with administrative stuff, but Bill was one of these guys that actually liked bylaws and stuff. Bill Underwood, it's not me, um, but he was a help. I always had his phone number available. Bill Wood was a, a mentor who, whatever the issue was going on in my life, he was the person I could call, talk through, and this last year, I think I probably missed him more than anything. Uh, because this wasn't necessary. I know, we, we all know, this last year really kind of stunk, right? We all can acknowledge that. It wasn't always the easiest year in ministry either, and I, I know we've talked about that, but there were so many times I catch myself, it's like, oh, I wish I could call Bill and talk to him about how he would handle this situation or how he would do this. And I'm just very grateful for the people that invested in my life that I could talk through things and they, that demonstrated to me how to do things well. And um, so anyways, I realize there are people like that in your own life. Ms. Kaiser, uh, Marilyn Durnell, Dick Masterson, I know invested in a number of you. At least I hear some of his catchy phrases sometimes that people repeat. Um, and I mean, there are people that in this church that invested in you that, that were examples. But some of you, you had different spiritual backgrounds before you joined Warren Alliance and you had other people. And I, I want you to think today, think for a moment, just pause. You already probably, some of you already have people in your minds. But if you don't, think for a moment, who were some people that invested in you spiritually, that mentored you, that coached you, that were a model that you could follow and that were an encouragement to you to take steps in, in, in your faith. Uh, because I, w- I want us to think about that idea because those, those are the people that have a spiritual legacy beyond their own biological kids. They're the people who have invested not only in their own families, but have invested in others. And, and we all have been blessed by people like that. At least I hope you all have experienced like that. So I want you to think, who are the people that invested in you? But then next question, who are the people you're investing in? Because it's, it's critical that we don't, I mean, some of you know, um, if you ever watch track and field, there's the individual events, but then there are the relays. And typically they're four by relays, meaning there's four runners. And what do they pass from one runner to the next? A baton. What happens if they drop the baton? Yeah, they're disqualified. So for that race to be successful, they have to successfully pass the baton to the next runner. From a spiritual perspective, and what we're going to see in this passage in 2 Timothy, is that we have a responsibility, not just for leaders, but every one of us in our own lives, that when the people have invested in us and helped us to grow in our faith and grow in our walk with Christ, it's, we're not supposed to be just the pond that receives the water and it, never, it gets stagnant, never goes anywhere. We, we need to have an outlet. We need to have people that we then in turn turn around and invest in, mentor, um, to, where, to where we're not just receiving, but we're also giving. 
And, and we see that in this passage today in 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. Uh, we're going to look at verses 1 and 2. Uh, but let's go ahead and look at this. And um, what we have in this passage, we, we know Paul um, is late in his life. Uh, and, and being late in his life, he's thinking about spiritual legacy. He's thinking about the fact that this relation, special relationship he has with Timothy and that he's passed things on to Timothy. He's, he's mentored and trained Timothy, and he wants to make sure that the work is going to continue. And that's at the heart of this, is, is Paul, late in life, is, is communicating to Timothy the need to not only remember what he has passed on to Timothy, what he has entrusted into Timothy's care, but to challenge Timothy to think not only about who he's investing in, but make sure he invests in people who will then invest in others. And let's go ahead and look at 2 Timothy 2, 1 through 2. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust the faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And look, look specifically at verse 2. This is our main focus. And what you have heard from me, this is Paul talking to Timothy, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust, some of your translations may say commit, entrust or commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. What's interesting here, think again about that four by four relay. There's four runners, there's three exchanges. Runner one exchanges the baton to runner two. It's exchange number one. Sorry, I'm doing a Star Trek thing up here. Uh, um, runner two exchanges to runner three. That's exchange number two. And then the final exchange is from runner three to runner four. There's four runners, three exchanges. And what, that's exactly what you see in this passage. We see Paul who's speaking. Paul, first runner, is passing the baton to Timothy. Timothy, second runner, is passing the baton to those that are described as faithful men. You think, is that, is that it? There's one final exchange here. Timothy is not only to be passing it on to the faithful men, but then the faithful men are to pass it on to others. So there's, there's four runners Three exchanges. There's four spiritual generations here. You have Paul who's invested in Timothy, Timothy who's investing in others with the hope that those that Timothy's investing in will turn around and invest in that fourth generation. When I ask you again, who are the people that invested in you? Have you received a baton and still carrying that baton and never even, pa even thinking about passing it on to the next runner. For us to really have a spiritual legacy, we not only need to look, we have to look at what's been entrusted to us, look at what people have done and how they've invested in our lives, but we always then need to be looking at that outflow to say, well, who's next in line? Who am I going to pass this on to? I mean, you could have the fastest runner in the world run his leg, but if he doesn't get the exchange to the next runner, has he done his job? rhetorical question. You could have answered though. But um, obviously if, if you don't make the exchange you're not fully fulfilling what we've been called to do. And what we see in Paul and we're just going to look at a few key passages or a few key words or phrases in chapter 2 verse 1 or chapter 2 
uh, verse 2. And the first command here is Timothy's told to entrust. He says, And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust or commit to faithful men. This idea is, is, is used throughout um, the New Testament, but specifically we see it in 1 Timothy. It's almost like the idea of putting something valuable into someone's hand, like that baton you're trying to exchange that you don't want to drop. In, in verse, uh, chapter six, verse, or 1 Timothy 6.20, it says, O Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Guard the deposit entrusted to you. The idea is, is that there's something valuable, there's something important, significant, that's been put into the care of someone else, and we're to guard it. We're, we're, to, we're, to, we're not only to embrace it, but we're to guard it. We're to hold on to it. That idea of to entrust, or to deposit, or to commit, we're, we're, to, we're to take, just like that runner is going to take that baton and hold on to it until they pass it on to the next runner. We take what we've received, the, the message of Christ, the, the living out the gospel of Christ and living, out, uh, living our lives according to all of his teachings. And we live in such a way that we not only pass on the message, but we pass on an example, a lifestyle to someone else. This idea of entrust or commit it literally is to, just to put into the care or protection of someone else. I mean, think about that. I mean, I, as, a, as a parent, my kids came through, were involved in the youth. Bryce started with the youth ministry in McKeesport and then was in youth ministry with Steve. I took my kids who I trust or that I value, they're important to me, and I I would put them in Steve's care and trusted them to him and to Jim and the other, and Liz and the other volunteers in the youth ministry. That idea of entrusting or committing is taking something valuable, something that's significant, and passing it on to someone else and trusting them. I want to think for a moment. Have you ever had a situation where you've been in charge of a ministry or charge of something at work, a project, and you had to pass the baton to someone else? That maybe you were um, teaching a class and you knew that you had to step out and someone else had to step in, but it was, like, it was kind of your baby, like it, this was something you, it was really important to you. Anyone ever experienced that? That you had to take something that was important to you and pass it on to someone else. Okay. Having done that, <laughs> I, I, I guess some of you probably have done it, but I mean, you've probably witnessed others do it. It's not easy. Having invested in a church for 16 years in McKeesport and walking away and entrusting the leadership of that church to someone else, that was hard because those were 16 years of investment, 16 years of relationship, 16 years of pouring my life into that congregation and that community. Timothy is being challenged here by Paul to remember what Paul has taught him. Remember the message, remember the example that Paul has set and and that he has taken something extremely valuable, he's put it in Timothy's hands and and Timothy now has the responsibility of passing it on to someone else. Some of you remember the old teacher Warren Wearsby, some of you. Eventually I'm going to ask a question that I get a response from. So I I know we're missing a few folks today, but if if you have an answer, please respond. It can be interactive. Um... Yeah, Warren Wearsby has this quote. If we can go to the next slide. 
He says this, he says, the task of the local church is not to preserve the truth. Think about that. If, if the quote were to stop right there, I'd have a bone to pick with the quote. He says, the task of the local church is not to preserve the truth as in a museum, but to live it and to teach it to the generations to come. You catch that? If we were to just stop with the church, local church is not to preserve the truth, we'd think, well, wait, what is, what's he saying? You've got to look at the full context. He's saying we're not to just preserve the truth as in a museum, but we're to live it and teach it the generations to come. So I want to ask you, we see Paul's example of passing on the message and his life living out the gospel message in, in front of Timothy and with Timothy. And Timothy's now been entrusted to teach others, to, to take what is entrusted to him and pass it on to someone else. And so I want to ask you, are, are you doing the same? Over the last few weeks and months of the church, we've been taking, the leaders have been walking through a time of just thinking about goals for the coming year. And, and part of that is just making sure that we're on mission. And that's why over the last few weeks, we've been talking about being unified around Christ, focusing on what unites us and, and why we have been focusing on the mission that Christ has given us. Part of us fulfilling the mission of going and making disciples is living out this lifestyle that Paul is demonstrating to Timothy, who then is living and, and investing in others, that, that we're, we embrace this and understand that embracing the gospel message, embracing the good news of Christ, the teaching of Christ, and what it means to live as Jesus is Lord in all areas of our life, that when we embrace that, it's not just about what we experience, what we've been entrusted to receive, it's also what we've been entrusted to give. And so Paul is challenging Timothy here and, 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 and he has challenged him to take what he's been entrusted with and to pass it on. And, and we look at the larger chapter in 2 Timothy, we see that there, Paul is entrusting Timothy not only with the message, but his, also his example, his life. In verse 2 Timothy 1.13, I think I have that on the screen. It says, follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Timothy has heard Paul preach the good news of Christ. He's, he's heard Timothy, or Timothy has heard Paul preach the good news of Christ and talk about who Christ is, what Christ did upon the cross and in his resurrection. He's, he's heard the challenge of living the Christian life, of living in a way that in every area of our life, we live and we proclaim that Jesus is Lord. Timothy has experienced this message. He's received the message. And he's now responsible to be entrusting this message, the message that centers around Jesus Christ, to take that message and entrust it into the care of others. You know, if you keep reading, uh, if we go over to 2 Timothy 3, 10 through 11, we also see that Timothy not only entrusted, or Paul not only entrusted Timothy with his, the message, which is foundational, the message is foundational, but he also entrusted him with an example to follow of how to live the Christian life. And let's, let's look at these words. Verse 10, you, however, have followed my teaching. So he's, he's given the message, but not only followed my teaching, but my conduct my aim in life, my faith, 
my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Look at what Timothy's saying. He's not just entrusted a message to Timothy. Paul has entrusted a message to Timothy. He's entrusted an example, his, Paul's conduct, the way he lived his life, his aim in life, his, his vision. You think Timothy maybe could have said that Paul lived out the life of what he says in, other, in, in Philippians, that his desire is to know Christ, to make Christ known? That Paul wants to live a life that, 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 that proclaims the gospel, that, that you see the goals lived out in Paul's life. Timothy witnessed that. He witnessed his aim in life, his goals, his vision for his life. He witnessed Paul's faith. He witnessed Paul's patience, his love, his steadfastness, as well as his persecutions and his sufferings. You know, too often today we live in a, in a world and a life in which I think we don't see how faith and persecution and suffering can go together, and yet Paul saw those things going hand in hand. Again, go to Philippians 3. Paul not only cries out wanting to know Christ more, but to share in the sufferings. The American church, we want to run in the opposite direction of any potential suffering. The early disciples understood that to suffer was to share in the same to share in, in the same way that Christ suffered. It's, it's a privilege to be able to suffer for the name of Christ. Paul demonstrated not only in his words and his teaching, but in his living, his conduct, his goals, his aim, his faith, his patience, his love, his steadfastness, and his willingness to suffer for Christ. He demonstrated this. This is all a gift that has been entrusted to Timothy. And now Timothy has to pass this on to others. Again, go back to 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, our main verse, and it says, And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Timothy's been given a trust. He's been given something. Something's been committed into his hands. Something valuable has been put in his hands, and he has a responsibility to pass it on. But Paul makes it very clear. He said, Don't, there needs to be intentionality and thought in how you pass it on. He says to pass it on to faithful men. And honestly, I think understanding the culture, the, the importance here is not the men, I believe, as much as the faithfulness. And even the examples we shared earlier, we, we talked about Miss Kaiser, Marilyn Durnell, and, and the women who poured into our lives. I believe that we need to be, when we're going to try to say, well, who are we passing, how, who are we going to pass on our faith so that we pass on our faith and our uh, what we believe to the next generation, we need to look for that quality of faithfulness. We need to look at men and women and, and say, who are the people who demonstrate that they're faithful? And that, that idea of faithfulness is, is the issue of dependability. They're reliable. When we sing, great is thy faithfulness, about God's faithfulness, we're talking about God being faithful. We're talking about God being worthy of our praise because of his faithfulness, his consistency. He's dependable. He's, we can trust him. That God's promises are secure because his character is secure. 
for us to embrace and live out faithfulness is to reflect that same type of dependability and reliability. And so Timothy is being challenged to look for people who will be faithful. And what we see in Jesus' parables of the good stewards, the people who are entrusted with little and are faithful with little, are entrusted with more. And that, that is the, the spiritual principle of being a good steward is what we're entrusted with when we manage it well, when we're faithful with a little, we, God will entrust us with more responsibility to do more and to have a greater impact for his kingdom. But for Timothy, just like that runner, that second runner in the line is looking for that third runner to be able to pass the baton, We need to be looking for those people that we're going to pass the spiritual baton to, the people that demonstrate faithfulness. They don't have to be superstars. They don't have to be eloquent speakers. They don't have to be whatever you fill in the blank for. The quality that this scripture highlights is the issue of faithfulness. That they're willing to do what they say they'll do. That they're willing to just be available for God to use them. You know, I find great hope and comfort in the fact that in the end, where we're going to be judged most is based on our faithfulness to what God calls us to do. God won't judge us based on the, what we deem as success. He's going to be judge us on whether we were faithful to do what God has called us to do. And I want to ask you, who are the people that you're, you, we can look back, we can celebrate the Miss Kaisers, we can celebrate the Marilyn Dernells, fill in the blank, whoever invested in you, Who are the people that you can now turn around and invest in? I'm going to leave with just a couple practical things. Something I learned years ago, and and it just made sense based on my own experience with my father. My father taught me the principle of hard work, but as a carpenter, he also taught me some good carpenter skills that have come in handy. Is Don in the room? Yeah, sorry. I made the mistake of letting people know that I do drywall. That was, um, Don has never forgotten that, but... um, you know, learning some good carpenter skills, I'm very grateful for that. There are a lot of things I've learned from my dad. And having learned some carpenter skills that got me a job in the maintenance uh, plant at college and where I could learn some more skills. I, what I find when I look at those skills that I learned from my dad or some of these other uh, contractors that I work with was they, they, they understood that the way to really learn, they didn't just hand me a book. No one handed me a book on how to do drywall. I watched people do it, and then I grabbed the trowel, and I started doing things myself, uh, and, and, and I learned by doing. And, and, and that's the reality is that we, we see, we learn the most through an effective model and, and, and through hands-on experience. And, and years ago, I learned this principle of the show-how training, and, and someone just took that natural principle that we've experienced. We've all probably experienced this in some way. Some of you had a job, maybe a job you hated, but they had to teach you a skill. They probably followed this model. And this is a model I believe that we can follow for the Pauls and the Timothys, for those of us that want to pass on a spiritual legacy as well, to say, who am I living this out in front of so they can watch? Who are the people that I can help and that can help me in the work, the work I'm doing so that then they can then in, t- in turn do the work? and pass it on to others. And so basically this principle is that I do something, you watch. Let's say I'm gonna teach Marty to drywall. Did you do drywall? 
Okay, okay nothing that you want to talk about. Well, I'll illustrate it this way. Instead of picking on Marty, two, two months ago, um, Bryce called me. He was moving into his new apartment. And it's where he had lived last summer. And there was some damage on the walls that was some stuff that he pulled off. It ripped not just the tape, it ripped chunks of drywall out. So I was like, he sent me the pictures. I was like, Bryce, that's going to be a drywall repair. So I took down drywall, the tools. And I was kind of shocked to realize that as much as I, Bryce probably saw me do drywall, he had no clue how to do the drywall. So I was like, Bryce, I'll come down. I'll give you the day. We can work on this, but you're going to learn to do this. And so I, the first patch, I did. Second patch, he did it, and I watched. The third patch, he did it even better. And he had to finish the job before I left. And that's that pattern of I do something, you watch. I do something, you help. You do something, and then I help you. And then you do, I'll watch, and then the hope is that next generation, you do something, someone else watches. Don't know when Bryce is going to teach someone else to do drywall, but I'm not as worried about drywall as I am about his spiritual commitment, his faith in Christ. And one of the greatest treasures I have on a Father's Day is to know that both my kids love Jesus and are walking with him in different ways. You know, my daughter is going to be at Asbury in the fall and, and where I was shaped and formed a lot spiritually. Um, great privilege to know that when you can look and see that your kids are running with the things you've taught them. Whether he, they do drywall, I'm not as worried about that. But the principles are the same. There ha there, what I realized with Bryce, when I realized he had no clue how to do the drywall, was he had watched me do drywall. He knew that I knew to do drywall, but I had never intentionally taught him. And that issue of intentionality is critical, not only for parents, but that's critical in the life of the church. If we're going to be those spiritual runners, like Paul and Timothy and others, we have to be intentional. We have to look and celebrate the people who've invested in us, but then begin to look and say, who's in my sphere of influence? Who can I invest in? It doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be flashy. It, you can actually, I, I love the fact that idea of I do something and you help. I mean, just invite someone to watch what you're currently doing for the Lord to help you do something that you're doing for the Lord. And as they watch and as they help, eventually you can give them some responsibilities to be doing that work. We have a privilege to be able to invest in the lives of others. What's amazing, and we talked about this in recent weeks, is that God doesn't need us, but he wants us. He invites us to join him in his work. And part of us is living a life that not only celebrates those who invested in us, but that we turn around and we invest in the lives of others, that we look for people who will be faithful and be dependable, and that we intentionally invest in their lives. Will you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I am just thank, so thankful for not only all how you have been faithful over the years, but I thank you for, I am so thankful for the people you have put in my life that have not only taught me practical skills like doing construction work, but I think of my mother teaching me the importance of opening up her Bible each morning and spending time in your presence. Lord, I thank you for spiritual leaders who have invested in me that that taught me the importance of loving the people that I've been called to serve.
Lord, I just thank you for the Marilyn Dernells and the Miss Kaisers of this church family. And I, and, and I didn't want to single anyone out today, but I know we have some Miss Kaisers and some spiritual mentors that are, that are actively working in the life of our church today, and I thank you for each of them. But I pray that those individuals would not be the exception, but it would be the norm, that we would be a body, a church family who takes seriously, Lord, passing on what we have learned, what we've experienced to someone else. And Lord, I just pray that you give us that vision today to not only to pour into the life of our kids, but to, that we adopt some spiritual kids, some spiritual brothers and sisters that we can teach, that we can invest in, that we can live the life of Christ in front of so that we make an impact for them and that they then in turn can go out and impact others. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.